Worldwide Lawyers on the Mic, a series of podcasts hosted by the UIA. Episodes feature lawyers from all around the world sharing their legal insights and experience. Regular topics include the promotion of core values, how to approach cases with an open mind and on a global scale. Worldwide Lawyers on the Mic, a series for lawyers who belong to UIA 3.0 or who are willing to take part in designing the future of the legal profession. Hello, everyone. I'm Elena, Deputy Director of Publications for UIA. I'm really happy and thrilled to have uh, here with us today Aparna, Aparna Viswanathan. Um, Aparna is a fellow colleague from the UIA. She got her degree from her bachelor and her Juris Doctor from the US from Harvard University and from the University of Michigan Law School. She's called to the bar in England, as well as in New York, Washington DC, California, and India. She is the founder of the Biswanathan and Co-Advocates, a firm which is based in New Delhi. Since 1995, she has advised over 100 major multinational companies doing business in India. Um, we are very pleased to have a partner here as a symbol of women and women lawyers in the tech sector. Uh, on Saturday, the 30th of October, 2021, at the Madrid Congress, Aparna was one of the coordinators of the joint session Startups and Venture Capital and Women's Committee. Uh, we were thrilled about the topic of this session as it started from the assumption that even though the world currently has the most educated generation of women, there is still a serious digital gender gap. Aparna, we would love to hear from you about your expertise and your role within the UIA, and of course, about your connection with the tech sector. Thank you very much. The floor is yours. Uh, thank you very much, Elena. Um, I've uh, been in the UIA and been very active since I would say the toward, towards the end of the pandemic, I mean, 2020 and throughout 2021, as the one of the consejeras for our president, uh, Jorge Martí. And that was really a wonderful experience. We were able to do a webinar on um, smart contracts and blockchain and what lawyers need to know, uh, which is a, a topic of, of great interest to me. I'm also the um, vice president of the... Um, the Startup and VC Commission. And as you mentioned, we did a joint session with the Women's Committee at the Madrid Congress. And you know, while preparing for that session, I was really uh, just taken aback because not only for what you mentioned that you know, women is now the highest, best uh, educated generation of women, but I was so shocked to find out that actually the progress of women, while women made progress in the 70s and in the 80s, progress slowed down in the 1990s and is completely stalled in the 21st century. I mean, we're really looking at since the year 2000, I mean, women's progress has stalled. Now, for women today who are really in the positions of power, you know, in their 40s and their 50s, I mean, this, this really comes as a shock because, I mean, I, for one, have always built, believed that we were somehow moving forward, even if, you know, the word feminism wasn't used, 
to some extent, we were still, you know, moving forward. And it really comes as a shock to know that it has really stalled. I'm talking about the year 2000, not even about what's happened in the pandemic of 2020. And uh, for this reason, I thought that, that this uh, topic was of great importance um, to the UIA because it, it is very timely because apart from what happened in the year 2000, as we all know, um, in 2020, I mean, there were some 20 million women that you know exited the workforce, and you know there were after the report of McKinsey and Company. I mean, one out of four women had exited, and they referred it to as, as a national emergency. I mean, U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris called it a, a national emergency, also, and it has also been referred to as the the she session because of that. So many women actually left the workplace. This is really interesting, Aparna, and we actually loved also the fact that you probably uh, back at the, at the joint session discussed on how the legal environment can help enhance women entrepreneurship and women at work in the legal sector. If you have, do you have any insight on this? Yes, um, I think that you know, one of the key points that emerged was that was about flexibility. I mean, how did we use the pandemic, you know, take something positive out of the pandemic? And it's the use of the, the new you know, technology, which enables women to, to work remotely. And how, I mean, as lawyers, I mean, the law shouldn't lag behind. I mean, the law really should be used now to, to you know, to make flexible working mainstream. And I know in the, you know, the UK, they've been trying it and saying after you work for 26 weeks, and then now they're trying to see that from day one, do you have an option of flexible working? Um, the, U, the EU is looking at it, but then, you know, it depends how old your child is, as long as your child is under eight years old. And, you know, I think the lawyers and the women lawyers really, you know, it, it, is, it is a great opportunity now that we need to use our skills to say, how can, how can the workplace be reimagined? And it has to be done through law. I mean, yes, we can talk about policy initiatives, but at the end of the day, it has to be about the legal rules. I mean, how do we make flexible working, um, you know, the default, the default, default setting and not just for people who may be, you know, stigmatized by it. Thank you very much. It's very helpful. And speaking of women expertise in the tech sector, I would like to, to have a word from you on your latest publication on, you published a journal article on the Loahead, um, let's say blog or website of the IE Law School. The title of your contribution is an American import into European legal, legal thinking. Uh, can intent really work as the cornerstone of IA regulation? I really would love to have just a sum up of this fantastic publication and a comment from you and why you picked such an interesting topic. Well, I, I picked this topic because I really have been looking at this since, since the year 2000 when digital signatures and encryption first came out. I said to myself, oh my God, I have to read about it and I have to get up to speed. Otherwise I'm going to be left completely behind. And actually <laughs> this is coming true in 2022. It was like 20 years early because now, I mean, unless, I mean, un unless the lawyers get up to speed, and, and reimagine how the regulations are going to work. I mean, it's just really going to be a mess. And the fact is that these regulations, I mean, even though I'm not, you know, I'm not technically skilled with, you know, 
um, as, a, as a computer engineer or anything. Sure. I mean, I was able to read these and understand it. And I said, oh, my God, this is not going to work. I mean, this is the effect of having no regulation because, you know, it, it's, it's just not going to work. It's taking it's like going back into law school and taking the concepts of really intent, not even a criminal intent, but the, the effect, in, effects intent. I mean, Americans have really gone to town with intent because they have, you know, intended consequences. They have every possible type of intent on earth in under different incorporated in different statutes. And that is actually what's uh, is, is being used to determine whether a system is high risk or not. I mean, how is it intended to be used? And as I argue in the article, I mean, Facebook, okay, it was to connect with friends. And, you know, Instagram is for sharing pictures. It was not intended to be used to cause psychological damage to teenage girls. So, you mm. know, the lawyers have just taken what what the, the concepts that were used for human beings and, you know, put them on, put them on these systems. I mean, maybe the term AI is, is misleading. Maybe it shouldn't be artificial intelligence. Maybe it should be augmented intelligence because ultimately the, the human beings, I mean, the human beings have to be regulated. I mean, they're trying to put these, the concepts which work for humans on systems. And frankly, um, I mean, with all due respect, I mean, I, I, I really think that this is far from becoming an international standard or the global benchmark. I mean, the, the European values that are incorporated into it, I greatly appreciate. I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. And especially all these years working in India, a lot of the European data regulations I mean, over the last 20 years, it was just a lot of copy and paste into Indian law and, you know, work, work quite well. But um, this has to be done with a completely fresh perspective with lawyers re-educating themselves, which is what I'm trying to do, and, you know, working with data scientists and maybe first looking at data, data governance, you know, and getting away because for 20 years, I mean, while I've been looking at this, I mean, we've been talking basically about privacy. I mean, I did a book on outsourcing and then cyber law. It was basically about privacy and um, yeah, privacy and cybersecurity. So how do you make the leap from looking at data just in the concept of privacy to these massive amounts of data, which are now underlying artificial intelligence? I mean, it's, it, it's a huge leap there for lawyers to have to make, also to understand in the process, the blockchain and smart contracts and all these other things that have come in. And these are now going to be fundamental to life, fundamental to the legal system. And I, in a way, feel that the EU, instead of trying to be so ambitious, maybe should have just started, tried like the Canadians, tried to regulate how the government uses artificial, artificial intelligence. Because even the sectors that they have listed as high risk, they have eight sectors. Basically, all of these sectors deal with services that the government provides. So, you know, why don't we focus on the first issues like you, you know, and because AI, okay, we can't use our traditional concepts like reasonably foreseeable or intent. I mean, a lot of this really goes out of the window because you, the developer, it's not always reasonably foreseeable to the developer of what the system is going to do now with the modern AI systems. Okay. But AI is all about objectives. So why can't we start with the objectives that we want of our society with an egalitarian, you know, not, you know, gender discrimination and not discrimination on other grounds and use those objectives. I mean, for example, when the government is trying to come up with any welfare policies, I mean, they should use AI for the objective of, you know, lifting people out of poverty um, or reducing gender disparity not for maybe saving the money of mm -hmm. the government. And because they're using it for saving the money of the government, then you know they say, oh, well, we're not gonna offer these benefits to these people because most likely they're gonna commit fraud or they're not gonna use it. And people you know, actually fall by the wayside. So 
it, it, it really requires some new thinking if we're going to go forward in the post-pandemic world. This is quite an optimistic insight and uh, <laughs> an insight, uh, a wish full of hope, uh, which is something that we really need. So to conclude in three words, what is your view, Aparna, uh, about the future of the legal profession in the tech sector and particularly of the role, uh, about the role of women lawyers in tech sector? Just in three words, your perspective and your view. Well, I think it's right now, you know, you have to, one has to re-educate and, uh, re and learn and basically learn an entire new language. I mean, I don't know to the extent we have to, you know, really learn coding, but we're going to have to understand the, some of the basics of how these systems and, and technologies work. Okay, it's not, we're going to have to interact um, you know, with the data scientists and educate ourselves. It's, it's not, and the legal profession, I would say the last 20, 30 years has been much less reactive and forward-looking say than the accounting profession. So, you know, I think there's a big, there's a big leap to make, but probably the younger generation, you know, will make it because they're not going to have any choice. The profession's going to be totally transformed by the technology. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I really, really thank you for your expertise and the time that you dedicated to UIA podcast and to all of thank us. Thank you, Elena. Thank you very much. Thank and you. speak soon again. Thanks. Thank you.